Greetings, this is Bashiri, and I'd like to welcome you to the 18th episode of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Of course, I greet you on Love, Peace, and Confrontation. Black man, I love you. Black woman, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Let's understand that we are the solution, that we are, in fact, the answers to the prayer that we are praying and ultimately, we are the gods that we seek. All religions be damned. If it does not serve you, you should not serve it. Let's go ahead and fully embody and incarnate the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that is part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience. Black man, what up? Black woman, what up? Black babies, what's good? Here we are in the 18th installation and or episode of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. In our previous episode, I had made an allusion to the fact that I will possibly treat the political implications of religion and pseudo-morality within the confines of white supremacy. And that's exactly what we endeavor to do with the short time allotted to us today. I'm going to say this right at the head. This might turn into a series. I don't know. Depends on how much ground we can cover in the short space we have uh, within the confines of this episode, Love, Peace, Confrontation uh, podcast, episode 18. And so when we get right into it and we think about the, uh, the socio-political and religious matrix in which we have been socialized as a group, Within the confines of white supremacy, we're talking about racism with all of the accordant power differentials that subsist and exist within the system by which um, there are certain advantages that are maintained and conserved and that are leveraged against the interests and the development of the targeted population uh, to do what? To procure vital life resources um, within a confine or within a domain or paradigm defined uh, by uh, fierce competition and scarce uh, resources. You have to understand that white supremacy um, in terms of its morality, <laughs> and I say that term very loosely, is always informed with material uh, power uh, political and economic interests, period. Domination, okay? That's it. That's the moral ethic. That's the moral paradigm. Okay, we, we've laid that floor there, I think. Uh, obviously, I've been engaged in a myriad of provocative, important, and I think privileged conversations with uh, members who are part and parcel of uh, our community. Now, many of the members that I engage in are staunchly religious okay and I and I, and I spoke with a few um, uh, who identified themselves respectively as either uh, Christian or um, uh, Hebrew Israelite or some sort of uh, iteration or derivation of of one of the three uh, Abrahamic religious systems, okay? So you're talking about uh, e either uh, uh, Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, right? So <laughs> in having these dialogues, it dawned on me 
that many of us are absolutely clueless and disconnected in a political sense as to the implications of religion within that uh, space. In other words, uh, many of us, and myself included until uh, a few years ago, are, were unable to perceive and or to conceive of the ways in which our religious fervor and emotional devotion and the immaterial input that we invested <laughs> within those moral uh, religious systems uh, were actually being exploited for uh, political, economic, and power interests of the dominant community. Okay, how does that happen, you might ask? Well, when you step back and you divorce yourself from belief, even if just for a moment, I don't want to scare any of the listeners um, who are uh, who are faithful, okay? And you and you have a religious paradigm, and you have your religious and or moral convictions. I'm not here to uh, situate myself as a moral para paragon in any stretch of the imagination. That's not what I'm here to do. Nor am I here to proselytize you to my point of view uh, in a dogmatic sense. I'm, I'm just, uh, again, inviting you to use your imagination, if you will, and to engage in just, even if it's just for a few moments, in a critical analysis of the political implications of your moral um, uh, mechanistic uh, internal apparatus. Okay, let's just look at it. Let's look at it and try to understand the um, political implications therein. Okay, okay. So, so let's just for a minute imagine that we're outside of belief. Okay, all right. You, 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 <laughs> you're not. You're not going to go to hell for using your imagination, folks. For those of you who may be. Uh, experiencing a little trepidation. But anyway, here's this exercise where we're stepping outside of the belief and we're looking, we're looking to see what could be the potential um, political advantages if, A, I'm in a community that imposes uh, a moral frame upon another community who who now is subject to the imposition of my political influence. Now, if I can't control the conditions of your living, to use a biblical reference here, if I can control the means by which you live and move and have your being, then functionally, I'm God to you, okay? And I wanna be very clear in the context of this conversation, God is a political modality, okay? Uh, again, we're stripping it of its um, religious referent, of its, uh, you know, its kind of supernatural mores and orthodox 
uh, preoccupation and understanding uh, therein. We're stripping it. We're, we're looking at it from a, a purely um, political modality. God has political modality, okay? Um, religion is being a function of, of the arm of the state, okay? Which by his history and according to historical precedent, uh, that has been ongoing, right? So anyway, so in that way, uh, to bring it back, if I control how you live and you move and you have your being, you know, staying consistent with the biblical referent here, um, I, functionally, I am God. The white supremacist and their moral ethic and or values has always been interested with aggregating to itself um, these divine or godlike prerogatives. I want to control everything and every feature and facet of the targeted population so that I can ensure that the leverage that I garnered through brute, physical, and psychic violence remains consistent. The way in which I do that is I put my hands on everything that is pertinent to the uh, vital life resources that appertain to the survival of the community that I want to dominate. Meaning, before you put it in your body, before you put it in your mind, I touch it first. <laughs> I touch it and I influence it. And I infuse it, in this sense, with a, um, a social and psycho-political uh, dynamic, right? And elements, in terms of your belief, that are compatible with my social, economic, political, and power interests. So that even in your practicing of good morality, <laughs> my power is sustained. My power is not challenged. My power is, is strengthened. When we look at the optics even of religion, and historically, again, and we're just doing this as an exercise, Okay, I'm not. I'm not inviting you <laughs> um, to to become atheists or anything like that. I'm just inviting you to look at what it is you believe in, using your intelligence. Okay, and intelligence here is not a rote memory parroting of facts. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> that's not plugged into some sort of context. But intelligence for us is how we engage and how we entreat information such that we could use it for our very survival. So let's, let's look at this thing intelligently in terms of survival. In speaking with... Um, a sister and she was she was giving me um, her personal experience with religion and how it made her feel 
right? And what it did for her in terms of having to navigate um, a myriad of challenging life circumstances. And I'm like, okay, I get that. So for her, it's important because it gave her a lens to make her suffering more palatable and bearable, okay? And she felt like she had support, emotional and psychological support as a result of that religious lens. And I, and I was not taking that from her because I can't take her personal experience from her because it's hers. I only um, made her aware of the fact that although she experiences benefits from her religious convictions and she experiences comfort from the same that her personal experience could not be um, superimposed or applied to the overall group experience of those persons who, like herself, are um, subject to the dictates of a white supremacist political machine. Okay, so I, I, I tried to say to her in another way. It's like, it's like okay, if I uh, myself have no known food allergies, and and I try to impose my diet upon the community because it works for me, not taking into account that there may be those persons in our community who have um, certain allergies with certain types of food, well then that would not be uh, functionally expedient. In the same way with the religious, the religion question, yeah, it might work for you on a personal level, but it doesn't mean it works for the group in a political sense. And I would say uh, that is definitely the case when we look at uh, the historical antecedents that back um, that line of logic. There was no divine intervention, um, folks, from the God of the Bible um, as it pertained to the transatlantic slave trade. Didn't happen, you know, uh, in reference to all the lynchings. Didn't happen. Church bombings didn't happen. Um, um, many of the uh, multifaceted ways in which we have suffered as a result of anti-black racism and being dominated within this system. We have not seen any, um, we have not seen any vengeance <laughs> exacted upon the perpetrators of some of the uh, ghastly ways in which we have been entreated by the dominant society from some divine beneficent uh, agency. Just hasn't happened. Now, what you do with your personal life is personal. But when we're talking about the political uh, life and the functional implications and outcomes as it pertains to the group with respect to religion and the politics therein, um, well, then we have to be more careful with that. And we can't be seduced into moments of ecstasy where we are detached from the reality of our experience or where we indulge 
and these romanticized ideals and ideas about uh, heaven and having this uh, divine advocate who uh, is, is testing our patience and waiting to see uh, if any of us would waver in our faith uh, as we have to engage with very um, tumultuous and, and dangerous and perilous and life-threatening challenges. Like, who's going to believe to the end? Okay, folks, functionally and in a political sense, that sort of paradigm and that sort of value ethic serves the power interests of the dominant group who has uh, situated itself as on par with the God that it has interjected into the psyche um, of the targeted population. Okay? Through all of this um, control of information and what comes into the community of the targeted population via media, via the images, and all of you who, who listen understand the psychological implications of images and what that does in terms of the, uh, the superimposition upon the subconscious mind. In a political sense, right? In that uh, whiteness has been conflated with godliness, right? And so on a subconscious level, you are now socialized through these images and through these definitions that you did not engineer for yourself, but, uh, have, but have been engineered for you and for the interests and for the maintenance of the power of those who currently, who currently, excuse me, dominate. You understand what I'm saying? Religion in that sense is only going to serve the interests of those who would like to remain in power indefinitely as they exploit all of your immaterial and, spir and spiritual uh, capacity because you devote it in ways that are antithetical to the flourishing of your potentialities, possibilities. Okay? Let's be clear. That's the political uh, utility of religion within the confines of white supremacy that wants to maintain its leverage, its dominance, and uh, its power over the target population. If I have an advantage, I'm not giving that up. There's no amount of preaching that's going to make me give that up. I might even um, use your moral terms, okay, that you tried to use to adjure me to change or, or to uh, transform my perspective in terms of how I would like to relate to you. Yeah, I might use your terms, but they're, they're going to be used in a lateral sense. There's never going to be any kind of vertical improvement or progress because that doesn't work out for me and why in the world would I set you up uh, to potentially surpass me folks that's not the language of power that's not how power works okay so if I'm giving you something 
you best believe that it's not going to be for your good ultimately ultimately it's going to be for my good it might make you comfortable like novocaine <laughs> you know so that you could be able to bear what is inevitably going to happen to you and occur under the auspices of my domination if i see it as a benefit yeah i'll do it i'm still going to do it but what's going to help me do it is you having uh, accepted a moral ethic value system paradigm um, as defined by my group that's going to be compatible with my economic, political, and power interest. So that in you uh, being a devout believer or practitioner of faith, you now practice a pseudo-morality, a morality that is actually, um, it, it, it actually sabotages your well-being. So in that sense, it's a, a moral morality, okay? It's, it's a morality devoid of and bereft of anything that would empower you materially, politically, and economically because you're now exercising or attuning your immaterial capital on the basis of false and misinformation. It, it didn't come from you. White supremacy functions off of lies, um, confusion, deception within the targeted po population, disorganization, alienation, alienation, disorientation. You know what I mean? These things are uh, salient features of white supremacy. You understand? Uh, man, I, I have to bring this in, and this is a really deep um, and pervasive subject matter and topic area, but I have to bring it in. Um, and I think this is going to parlay into a series where we are really looking at, again, um, the, uh, the political implications of religion and pseudo-morality within the confines of white supremacy. I'm going to have to give this a deeper treatment. This here is just a warm-up. We're just scratching the surface, and this may parlay into, again, a, a, a series that would aim at being more fully exhaustive with the subject matter at hand. Anyway, it's not just about parsing out the problem. It's always about shining a light on the members in your community who are doing an incredible work here locally, Hampton Roads. Hampton Roads is regional black chamber of commerce, black brand, blackbrand.biz. If you are industrious, endeavor to be industrious, or if you're entrepreneurial, endeavor to be entrepreneurial, you need to link yourself with a network and a nexus of powerful, like-minded individuals who have your overall economic well-being, both in head and in heart. Black Brand, 
blackbrand.biz, a 150-year economic plan in the making exclusively for black people. Black men, I love you. Black women, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the solution. Let's understand that we are the answers to the prayers that we are praying. That ultimately we are the gods that we seek. All religions be damned. If it does not serve you, you should not serve it. I invite you to fu fully capitalize and incarnate and embody uh, the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that is part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience. Let's get out here and do something phenomenal today. Let's do something revolutionary. Let's do something that's going to make the future proud. Let's not be fraudulent. Um, head on a swivel, black people. Again, I, I sign off in love, peace, and confrontation. And until next time, everyone, please be safe. Peace.